What's going on? It's another week and another episode of the Out of Play podcast. Will Trubshaw here along with Jackson Kinney. Jordan Gould is not in the studio at the moment. He had a little scheduling conflict he forgot about, but he may be joining us later in the show, so uh, we'll keep you posted on that, and you'll probably yeah, hear when be he... here at some point. Yeah, I you'll, think, maybe you'll know when he comes in. There will probably Possibly. be tears of joy, screaming, shouting, hoopla, hoopla, all of the above. Um, but yeah, it, another week of the MLB offseason here. We've been a little slow getting the show off the ground here in these first couple weeks, but that's okay because it's allowed us to kind of build up some storylines. Because there have been some interesting ones of late. I think uh, the one you and I, Jackson, wanted to start the show off with was that of Dusty Baker. Uh, yeah, and on the same note as Dusty Baker, just real quick, uh, same vein though. I I don't remember if we talked about Luis Rojas getting the Mets job after Carlos Beltran stepped down uh, you know, that's from right. the Mets. So Luis Rojas, as a result of <clears throat> the Astros scandal, has stepped in over Carlos Beltran in New York as manager. Now, the main replacement of manager is Dusty Baker taking over for AJ Hinch, who was fired in Houston. And uh, Dusty Baker, we both have good question mark things to say about Dusty. He's a great guy. You'll never find a nicer man, but as a manager, I have some issues with him. But he is the manager with arguably still the best team in baseball. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, he's kind of been handed the keys to the kingdom, regardless of what you think or not of the the Astros and their cheating scandal. And not for the first time. Yeah, I mean, there have been plenty. He came on with the Chicago Cubs, of course, that's... That's when Dusty Baker was the Cubs manager. That's kind of my coming of age with the Cubs. That's when um, I first fell in love with the team. Of course, that's also 2003. Fans will remember the Bartman year. They make it all the way to a seventh game in the NLCS looking for their first pennant. And at the time, uh, 60-something years. Uh, it hadn't been, hadn't been since 1945. Mm-hmm. Um Obviously, the job did not get done there. So there have been a lot of close calls with Dusty's career. But, I mean, I have fond memories of him because, I mean, he you know he was the manager of, of my team when I was a little kid. You know, like he's kind of – like that first time you follow a team, that first iteration, whoever's there, that's what you have memories of. But not only that, I mean, he's a proven winner. He's won over 1,800 games right. in his career. And going off what you said, he was there with the Reds when I really fell in love with him too. So – I mean, Dusty Baker kind of brought us into baseball when you think about it. Yeah, he. I think that's the case for like, he's been he's a baseball lifer. He's been mm-hmm. around, played back in the '60s and '70s, and had a long, uh, very fruitful career on the field too. So. I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sure people will if I am. Dusty Baker was on deck when Hank Aaron set the home run record. Ooh. For the Braves. I'd have to fact check you on that, but I, I wouldn't be stunned. So, like, but he's been around since Hank Aaron was playing. Yeah. He's oh, he's been playing longer than half of the managers, managing teams now were alive. Yeah, I mean. So that's kind of a crazy stat of all of this. Yeah, Dusty, 70 now, again, taking the job with the Astros. And his job's kind of twofold now because, again, like we were saying, he has been handed the key to the kingdom. Again, you could argue that these players cheated, but these are still all world uh, players that he has on this team. You look at that core again, George Springer, uh, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman, those guys are all world beaters, all perennial MVP candidates. Um, and he's got a chance, and they were in the World Series last year, and they didn't, outside of Garrett Cole, which that is a big loss, they still have a lot of really good pieces in place. Would not be shocked to see Dusty get them back to the playoffs again. Um, I'm, I, I, 
I, that's a, I think that's a foregone yeah. conclusion that the Astros will make it back to the playoffs. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if maybe he Dusty finally got a crack at a World Series. I think wasn't he the Giants manager when they played the Angels? Yeah, in the World Series. So yeah, he hasn't been to a World Series since the Angels in what 2002. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a while for him, but. I don't know. My thing with Dusty is I don't remember the last time he beat somebody in the first round. It's been a while. That's the th- also, we, were, we were talking about that earlier. I he think. was on deck when Hank Aaron hit that home run. Wow, so, that's a fun. That is a fun little trivia fact. Yeah, that was something I was really proud of when I was like 14 years old, and he was still the manager wow. of Cincinnati. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I honestly I like the hire. I think it, it's good. He's a guy. You know, not only can he he uh, it's been proven he can win. He and he's worked with superstars before. You know, he was with the Giants when they had Barry Bonds. Right, he was with the Cubs when they had Kerry Wood. Kerry Wood, Sammy Sosa. I mean, uh, the Reds with Joey Votto and Brandon Phillips. The that's Nationals not... with Bryce Harper and Steven Strasburg and Max Scherzer. So, you know, he knows how to manage him. He he is certainly an old-school manager. He's not a guy that you think of. You, mm-hmm. know, you mentioned Miguel Rojas. It's kind of weird with his old-school ideology coming into a team of the Astros who we know are so Analytics analytical. That, yeah. that, that's the point I was going to get. Is you look at a guy like uh, Luis Rojas, who had been on the shortlist for a lot of teams, including the Mets earlier this offseason, mm-hmm. to hire a manager before they uh, got rid of Carlos, before they hired and then ultimately got rid of Carlos Beltran. But he's very much one of those guys rose into the ranks of the minors as a manager and whatnot quickly and really embraces analytics. Dusty, you know, you can't say that he won't embrace those analytics, but that's never really been the way he's managed. He's always been an old school kind of leave the. We were, we were joking I mean, about. I this. made a joke about this earlier that Justin Verlander is going to be on the mound at sitting at 110 pitches. Dusty's going to take that toothpick he's got in his mouth at all times, <laughs> poke Justin in the arm, make him bleed a little bit. Justin's going to go, Dusty, what the hell was that? Uh, you're bleeding. Means you're still alive. Means you can still pitch. <laughs> and he's going to leave him in there for like 20, 30 more pitches. So and that's just I, what he does. Like the thing is that it's that's not that far off from the truth. Like I could <laughs> rip Kerry Wood's arm. You know that that's Dusty Baker's athletic is the glasses halfway down the nose, toothpick not not on that toothpick, and he's got the little Franklin uh, wristbands. Yeah, with the color of his team. So I, I personally, I'm excited to see orange Franklin wristbands because those those probably haven't been in style for a while. But yeah, I mean, again, I, the other point I wanted to make was that I really like the higher. Because um, I think he, he's certainly a guy too with that old school stuff. He he knows how to, and he's been around so long. He knows how to handle the press. He can, I think, bring back some of that accountability to the Astros. Right, and I something think, that I've seen online is on Twitter mainly is everybody loves Dusty Baker, and it's really making them feel conflicted towards the Astros because right. nobody wants to forgive the Astros for what they did, especially the players who haven't apologized yet. Mm-hmm. But everybody loves Dusty Baker, and he's coming in as an outsider into this situation. So I've seen a lot of people conflicted with this. And, and you know, I think you have to think that was kind of a strategic move on the Astros' uh, part. You know, obviously the cleared house, no more A.J. Hinch. I believe it was Jeff Luno, the GM. Mm-hmm. He's gone too. I don't think they've replaced him yet. No. So, well, that's isn't that interesting? They hire the manager before the GM. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, you'd think it's the other way A little way backwards, isn't it? But but, but the, at the same time, they have most of the infrastructure in place. It's not like they're going for a full-scale rebuild here, so maybe they're not so worried about yeah. the GM. Which is understandable, even though their farm system is as barren as the Mojave Desert right yeah. now. <laughs> Tough. Either what you way, get for trading for Zach Greinke. Yeah, but anyway, either way, Dusty Baker. I yeah, I you know I'm a fan. Again, uh, I the fond memories of Dusty, and again, I, anyone who talks about him, uh, knowing him as a light, baseball lifer, 
he's a good guy. He's one of he's one of the the all time all timers. I remember in when pro baseball the Reds fired him. The fan reaction was just terrible. It was so sad. In 2012, when the Reds were on their way to win the division, there we had T-shirts that said "In Dusty We Trusty." I mean, who who else is going to get T-shirts made about him as a manager, right? Exactly. And we've got a knock on the door here. Who huh. could it be now? I'll, uh, Will's going to take off his headphones real quick. He's going to the door. I'm going to play-by-play this real quick. Oh. And look who it is. It's Jordan Gould coming in. We told you he'd be here, folks. Much faster than we thought. That was impressive turnaround for Jay Gould. Well, Jordan, welcome to the show. I don't know if your mic's on yet. <laughs> Uh, I made it. Okay, there, there he is. is. Hey. <laughs> like I just, just, I was, I'm running like I stretched a single to a double, you know? <laughs> you sound like Dusty Baker after he walks to the mound. That, I was about to say that, yeah. But, and Jordan, get you in on the conversation. That's what we've been talking about so far, the hiring of Dusty Baker and a little bit of uh, Luis Rojas. Yeah, Luis Rojas, Dusty Baker. But I think I j- we just have to mention this because it happened today as before we recorded. 16 years Major League Baseball has been graced by the presence of none other than Curtis Granderson. And today, oh, yeah. he retires. Wow. Curtis Granderson officially announced his retirement from the game of baseball. The Granderman. And we're talking about, you know, class acts, lifelong baseball players who everyone is uh, affectionate, doesn't have a bad thing to say. Curtis, Curtis Granderson. Granderson in a nutshell. One of, just super nice guy. I know... I believe it's at uh, UIC in Chicago or DePaul, one or the other. Uh, I can tell you, yeah, University of Illinois at Chicago. Yeah, UIC, he donated money uh, to, for their baseball field. That's I believe that's where he went. Mm-hmm. Um, he was drafted out of there in 2002 by the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, so, you know, just one of those guys gives back to the community. Uh, every team that he's been a teammate or a player on, his teammates just say great things about oh, him. Oh, yeah. He's on that. I believe it was on the, the Mets in 2015 when they took down the Cubs in the NLCS Actually, there. That's, that's funny you mentioned that. I was about to bring it up. I went to a Reds game. when I was there when the Mets clinched the NL East. They clinched it in Cincinnati. And during that game, we had received tickets somehow for cheap for right behind home plate. We were the row behind home plate. And Curtis Granderson went up to all the fans and gave them fist bumps. So Granderson, I have a fist bump from Granderson. In the uh, my back pockets, that's one of my best memories of baseball at all and of Curtis Granderson. Wow. But as you mentioned, that was when he was on the Mets. He was on the Mets 2014-2017. Uh, he was on the Tigers the first five or so years of his career. Mm-hmm. The Yankees, those were some memorable teams. That's where I think the Grandy Man can, can, came from. I think so, yeah. And then um, played for the Dodgers for the back half of 2017. He played for the Blue Jays for a while. Don't remember that. I, rem- I do remember that, yeah. Don't remember him on the Brewers. Can't say I remember him on the Brewers. That might have been last year. I think uh, that it was 2018. 2018. That's he right, played, when they made the In 2018, he was with the Blue Jays and the Brewers. And then in 2019, he played for the Miami Marlins to round out his career. Wow. Seven major league teams. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's quite a bit. You know, it's, it's weird, guys. We're starting to get to the point where, you know, I mean, my first memories of baseball that I really – you know, can can reckon from watching major league players probably when I'm like maybe seven, eight years old. So we're seeing players now go through their whole careers essentially well, and now retire. You know, yeah, the, because the better players. this is their whole career. Because I was about to say this kind of started with guys like David Ortiz and Mariano Rivera and Derek Jeter, but we weren't really around to see the start of their careers because they all right. started in the mid to late 90s or early 90s. Curtis Granderson started playing in 2005, 2004. Oh, we were 
kids at that perfect age for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're like you said, we're starting to see these guys' life cycles come to an end. Yeah, and I'm, again, like uh, that sounded really dramatic. Their their career cycle, not their yeah. actual life. Good they Lord. don't die when they leave the sport. But like, but I, I hope I, not. But also going back like to the Dusty Baker thing, you know, it's not when when he's the manager of your team, or you know, it's like that landscape. Like I can I I picture. Um, Tony LaRusso is the Cardinals manager. Dusty Baker uh, with the Cubs. Well, Clint Hurdle's been with the Pirates forever. So oh, he's that, not there anymore. Thank God. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't count. And then I forget, you know, whoever the Brewers had or the Astros like when they were in the NL Central. You know, think, those are like the memories I have. I think of that Madden time. with the Rays. I don't even think yeah. it was the Cubs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Vincent, you know, absolutely. Like, it's uh, it's weird. And uh, another thing about Dusty Baker, I forgot to bring up uh, in a, one of his press conferences. They brought up that, uh, or he brought up that he was listening to a rapper. I forget the name of the rapper. But there was a lyric where he was like, you know, this is my last album. And Dusty Baker was like, I relate to that. This is my last album. So I think he has basically locked in. This is his last time managing. So this is your last chance to get some Dusty Baker in your life. And I highly recommend that the Dusty Baker experience is like none other. Yeah, it's 70 true. years of age, Dusty Baker, 1949. Think about that. Do we know how long? Is it just a one-year contract that he signed? Or I, I, um, I don't quite recall. I don't quite recall two either. Two-year deal. Two-year deal. Two-year deal. So, and there might be an opt-out there. I don't there know. 72. He can retire, go back to Arizona. I, I read a really interesting family. article about him. He's, he's got, like, just one more thing before I move on. But He has uh, his own um, solar energy company. They yeah. invest in solar energy, and he has his own winery. I mean, like, he does, like, a lot of stuff away from the ball field. Like, he's kind of – he's at the point in his life where, you know, baseball doesn't it, – it's not all there it's is to It's not his life. first priority. Yeah. But, I, I mean, mean, it is now because it's his job, but he wasn't going out there asking to be managing. No. It's just the Astros came to him. Yeah. And he was like, okay, sure. Cool. I mean, this is what they need. They needed a guy with a lot of mm-hmm. MLB experience, someone that – you could throw into the fire because this is a fire that he's being thrown into. Exactly. You needed somebody right with now. a stable who can make it stable. And exactly. Dusty's that guy who will make it stable. Yeah. So right. I think that's a good place to end off on Dusty. Yeah. I want Moving you on. to direct the conversation now because I know where I would take it. Yeah. Well, so the, ne- the next thing we want to talk about, of course, is uh, the Cincinnati Reds because they've, <laughs> uh, especially of late, they've become far and away the busiest team in this offseason. I mean, I don't know where they found this money, but – the, the acquisitions they continue to make, obviously, early on, they signed Mike Moustakis. Well, let me give you a timeline one. first. Yeah, At go, the go end of it. the 2019 season, Bob Castellini, the owner, said, we're going to spend money. And how about $164 million in free agency? That's spending money on yeah. Mike Moustakis, which was like, wow, okay, cool. That came out of nowhere for me. I, don't, I never saw any rumor about it. And then... Wade Miley, another under-the-radar, get him back going. That'll be a great signing, I feel like. I feel like that's going to be one of the most underrated ones. And then one that for a good week was speculated upon rumors of the Japanese center fielder, outfielder, Shogo Akiyama. So he's going to be playing in center field. They finally got him signed. And then, finally, the one to cap off the free agency signings for big free agency signings, Nick Castellanos. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and then Pedro Strope just to and, throw it, and, throw him on top of the cake. And really, I mean, you kind of look at like Strope was like the first, the first bullpen arm, like an established bullpen arm that they signed. Everyone else has kind of been reclamation projects and stuff. But yeah, it's well, just and been, people they brought up in their own system, like Michael Lorenzen and Amir Garrett. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. But I mean, I'm talking about like just straight oh, up signings yeah. of players. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, really just for the Reds, it, like they mean business. You know, obviously last year the offense wasn't there all the time. They, there were a lot of really and, good pieces. And that's what killed them. The offense not being there killed them mm-hmm. because they had the fourth best pitching staff in the league, I think by yeah. ERA. And then they go out and add Trevor Bauer, who with a full offseason with one of his old pitching coaches, Derek Johnson, I, uh, who even knows what could happen. And then they also got Freddie Galvis at the end of last season, who wasn't above average hitting and defending shortstop. And he's going to be really good there because I feel like he's going to be their opening day shortstop after a lot of rumors where the Reds might trade for Francisco Lindor, might trade for Corey Seager. Those were floating around for most of the offseason, and they could still happen. I'm not saying it couldn't. But I don't think it will. I think Freddie Galvis will be the opening day shortstop. So much for letting me get the conversation there, huh? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's just so much to cover. No, but, I mean, it's true. I mean, really, the, the moves, the, these are uh, contender moves. The Reds, I think they're visualizing that they have a window now. You know, some teams, they, they build a little more heavily out of, of the, um, the prospect system and stuff. But the Reds still have a couple of prospects coming mm-hmm. up. You've got Nick Senzel, who actually we'll talk about him a little bit because there are some trade rumors floating out. They're about him, but you've got Hunter Green, who's coming off injury. You have Aristides Aquino, who came out of nowhere last year and really burst on the scene. But the Reds have, I mean, really, they've made a lot of moves, I think a lot more than anyone expected. You know, even look at a lot of the contenders of the last couple years, they haven't been as active right. uh, the, in, in free agency. Especially as in the, their own division. The Cubs haven't done anything. Yeah. The Cardinals done nothing. They let Marcelo Zuna go yeah, to, that, down to Atlanta. Most teams have had subtractions, but the Reds have. It's just a ton of additions. So I get. I want to ask you a question. Where does this put the or rather the Reds? Where does this put the Reds in the Central Division now? Do you want to start with me? Uh let's go for it. Yeah, I think it squarely puts them in the top three with the Cubs and the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't want to go out and say they're going to win the division because baseball is a weird sport. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the other day, Eugenio Suarez had to get some cartilage cleaned out of his shoulder, and so he's going to be either ready at opening day or a little bit after, which is why the Reds stockpiling on good players is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Moustakis might start the season at third if Eugenio Suarez isn't 100% instead of playing at second. So, I mean, there's just so much now to this team. They already had the pitching. Their rotation is going to consist of Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, Anthony Descalfani, Trevor Bauer, and Wade Miley now. That's a top five in the league rotation. You can't tell me otherwise, especially if Trevor Bauer comes back from the down year he had. Okay? Mm-hmm. Their bullpen's serviceable. Their bullpen took great strides last year under the guidance of pitching coaches Derek Johnson and Caleb Cotham. And then this offseason they also signed – Kyle Boddy as a pitching consultant from Driveline Baseball, who is one of the most analytically driven organizations in the sport. I mean, the work they're doing is incredible to improve this team. And then they start really hammering the offense, which was anemic last year, and that's what really sunk them. Because, I mean, you're having Derek Dietrich taking starts, and while he was hitting a lot of home runs, there were a lot of times where he was hitting nothing. Right. And, like, his, his stats were very bad. And if he's getting regular at-bats, oh, my goodness, something's wrong. I mean, Eugenio Suarez obviously had 49 home runs, but now he doesn't have to be the only one because Moustakis is there now. Shogo is going to be a solid leadoff hitter. Votto, even if he has a – he's probably going to have a better year than last year, and he's still going to be serviceable in the top three of the lineup. Yeah. You know, I'm again, I'm curious to see how also, the outfield projections will yeah. play out for the Reds. I mean, it's very interesting. you got guys like Jesse Winker from last year, Philip Irvin – 
You also got guys like the you know the new Japanese stuff they signed. Nick Senzel's played some. Hell, even Michael Lorenzen played some outfield last Lorenzen's, year. What's going to happen? I'm just very curious to just see. Just hit on Lorenzen because that's a lot of people's, like, one of the big things that they just like to see because it's such an oddity to have a two-way player. I mean, look at the storm Shohei Otani created. Mm-hmm. Lorenzen, it's already been said he's going to get more reps in the outfield this year. So that's be on the lookout for that. I feel like Castellanos and Akiyama are going to be two everyday outfielders for the most part. Probably 90% of the days, yeah. I, especially with, I mean, I, I don't know much about Akiyama. It sounds like he's a good contact. And that's one thing I think the Reds were missing was guys who got on base. Because mm-hmm. you mentioned Dietrich hit a lot of home runs early on. But a lot of those were solo home runs, too. Yeah. Those, are really, those are about as good as a double, you know? Like, because it only gets one run. If you got, you got to have guys on base, and then you can start driving runs in uh, and whatnot. So I think having guys like that. And, Cast, I mean, Castellanos just rakes. He gets on base. He's a, he's a ball player, you know? So I think having those guys at the top of your lineup – Really, it shifts everyone down a little bit. And you right. get those power hitters. And then the third spot of the outfield, as you were talking about, the outfield projection. That, I mean, Sinzel's going to get time in probably center field, the outfield. Winker could platoon. There's been a lot of rumors where we could just trade Winker outright. Um, Philip Irvin should get a lot of time because he absolutely tears up left-handers. Like, it's nobody's business. It's insane when you look at the splits. I don't have them in front of me, but, like, that's the main thing. Winker pl- or Irvin played every time there was a left field uh, left-hander on the mound. Um, that outfield is going to be a lot better than it was last year because even Puig last year and Wright took a long time to get really heated up. And then Aquino, after his great August where he broke out and became a star of the league, he had a huge slump in September. So we don't know if that's going to be consistent or not with Aristides. So, like, you never know. So what's been the big thing with the Reds these past couple of seasons? Their big problem has been the slow starts. Now, mm-hmm. you go out and you sign guys like Moustakas, you sign guys like Castellanos, to hope, you know, help them ride the ship almost where you don't start the season like that. Yeah, it's a 162-game stretch, but, I mean, you can't you start, start out, you know, 10 games under 500 through the first 30 or whatever it is, you're already digging yourself a hole, and that's tough enough. I mean, you saw how hard it was for the Nationals for yeah. they started 19-31 last year. And last season, the, the Reds maybe were in contention for a wild-card spot if they didn't start 1-8 and eight at the beginning of the year or have a seven-game losing streak in the first month of the season. Who knows what happens? But it happened, and you can't really speculate after that. So, but yeah. that's why Castellanos and Moustakas are huge because they're, they're great ball players, obviously, but they're known for bringing energy into clubhouses. Mm-hmm. Moustakas is still legendary in Kansas City. Oh, yeah. Moustakas, Wade Miley, one of his biggest cheerleaders in Milwaukee, said that's what he does is bring the energy. Castellanos, that's all he is. He's pure energy. You saw him with the Cubs last yeah. year. His motto was uh, every day's opening day. I mean, that's the in in two months with the Cubs, he became one of my favorite players on that team. Like, and the people so... of Cincinnati are gonna eat that up. Oh yeah, because opening day in Cincinnati, it's a religious holiday. Schools close. You get out of work. You go downtown. You watch the parade to the stadium. You go to the game. That's Cincinnati. And if your motto is every day is opening day, <laughs> ooh. It's getting me excited just talking about it. I think no team uh, will have a more pivotal April, whether it be good Mm -hmm. or bad, than the Cincinnati Reds this year. Just from looking at how the past years have gone, I mean, they have the pitching to do it. We've talked about it. Mm -hmm. Castillo at the front of the rotation. Bauer's been pretty good the last couple of years. I mean, they have the guys at the front of the rotation. They have the guys now in the lineup to really put some runs on the board and really, you know, Get, them, get the offense going. The pieces the are there, out. and this Castellano signing is being compared to the Scott Rowland trade that the Reds did in 2009 where Walt Jockey, the, the then GM, thought, 
this was the piece to put them over the edge. And in 2010, it was. They won the division that year. And that's how they're seeing this Castellanos is. This is the cap off of the best offseason in probably franchise history mm-hmm. in 150, now 151 years of Cincinnati Reds baseball. Like you were saying, Jackson, I'm not ready to buy into the Reds yet. Well, I want to see how they look going in. Right, especially yeah, with the Eugenio all... Suarez thing, because if he's yeah. not ready for opening day— that messes it, things up a little bit, yeah. Apparently, it's supposed to be ready like right after opening there, right before. But say he's misses a week or two in that regular season, how they weather that, as you said, that April is going to be extremely important to how the rest of the season goes for Cincinnati. I, for me, I think that is what it comes down to. Honestly, is uh, any team. It, it's all about how healthy you are. If you can stay healthy the whole season, um, and the pitching, because I mean, we've seen the teams that win the World Series. Look at those pitching stuffs. When the Cubs won the division in 2016, they had three guys in the Cy Young race. Mm-hmm. Last year, the Nationals, I mean, you've got Scherzer, Strasburg, uh, all at the top of their game. Patrick it, Corbin, you know, to have that base, especially if the pitching stays healthy, you're in really good shape. And they made the necessary adjustments. You know, offense comes and goes, but they they have enough insurance now. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that's hurt some of the other teams in the NL Central the last couple of years is that they have guys who get hot one a little bit at a time, but it's not. They don't have the backup insurance like they have in the past. The Reds, they've given themselves enough insurance, and now. They, ha- they have so much depth now. Yeah, that's the that's the biggest thing is the depth. So I I you know I like the the Reds' chances, but I agree with you guys. Right, uh, April's going to be we're going to see what the team's made of, and that can be a period of adjustment too, especially when there's this much overhaul mm-hmm. on the team. But I, I do think, and then just kind of my last point on it. Before we move on, because I'm sure we're probably about to move on, which understand we've talked a lot about the Reds. But, I mean, finally we have a reason to. I think being cautiously optimistic is the right way to do it. And April's going to be important. But mm-hmm. I think one of the most important things, other than all the numbers, all the eye tests you can have, is they brought in winners. Mm-hmm. Wade Miley in 2018 for the Brewers had a under had a 1-2-3 ERA in the postseason. Uh, Moustakis won a World Series in Kansas City as one of the leaders of that team. Mm-hmm. Pedro Strope, he was on that 2016 Cubs team, and he was a big reliever in that run, right? Uh, he, he was uh, – I'll talk about it real quick. Um, Pedro Strope, he came over with Jake Arrieta in the pro- – I, I argue the best trade in Cubs franchise history. They trade Steve Klebinger and Scott Feldman for Jake Arrieta and Pedro Strope. Arrieta, of course, goes on to win the Cy Young, helps the Cubs win the World Series. Strope, um, it was some crazy stat. I think it was he's the only Cubs reliever in uh, franchise history since 1876 to have five seasons of an ERA under three. And then and he did those in five straight seasons. Yeah. So, he, I mean, he was a phenomenal pitcher for the Cubs. Injuries hurt him last year. But, I mean, you know, the st- even in 2018 when they did the wild card, he was throwing on a bad hamstring, strikes out the hard. And the, the good Rockies thing over. about those injuries that he had were they aren't anything structural. They no. can, they're pretty in- easily healed over an offseason. Mm-hmm. So he could come back relatively healthy. And then with Akiyama, he was the captain for the Cebu Lions in Japan, and his team won the Pacific League pennant each of the last two seasons with Akiyama being the best player on those teams. So you have leaders now. Vado doesn't have to be the only guy. Suarez doesn't have to be the guy anymore. It doesn't have to be those two. Akiyama, Mustakas, Castellanos even, after being in Detroit. He was the last one in Detroit of the Miguel Cabrera years in the early 2010s. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have multiple leaders who can lead this team through any stretch, any slump, any high. And I think that's going to be the most important thing is the clubhouse attitude. 
Definitely. Let me just say, I cannot wait to do our uh, preview episodes with the divisions and stuff. Oh, yeah. Talking about this stuff is just getting me ready for it. I mean, j- here we are, January 31st. Uh, spring training starts next month for pitchers and catchers report, yeah. at least. We'll have to do that so, pretty soon, then, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Kicking Ooh. it off soon. Ooh, baby. Look at my chops. Ooh. All right. Well, uh, Jackson, like you said, it's a good time to move on now. Um, something else the Reds have been talked about a lot with is uh, trade rumors, and there have been some big names in the trade rumors that have been talked about. I, I think the one you kind of got to start out with right away, Nolan Arenado. Obviously, the Rocky Superstar signed for big-time contract. I think it's seven or eight years, 200-and-something million dollars. Yeah, $270 million. The Rockies, of course, locked them down at the time, but there's a lot of ill will between those two parties right now. Uh, Arenado is Arenado. very frustrated with the ownership, with the team. He wants out, and the Rockies are trying desperately to get out from under his contract. Because after 2018, like I said, when they made the wild card against the Cubs, And that, that situation game, is really, really weird because for a while it was, he was linked to the Cardinals. He was, mm-hmm. for a while it looked like he was for sure going to be St. Louis Cardinal, Nolan Arenado. Yeah. And then, now he looks like he's going to be a Cub. Yeah. And well, speaking of the Cubs, they have a disgruntled star third baseman mm-hmm. in Chris Bryant. See, now, I, I would argue that Bryant, uh, so for a little context here, Chris Bryant just settled his grievance hearing uh, with the Cubs, and it was the Cubs who won the grievance. The grievance was for when the Cubs called Bryant up in 2015. They held him down in the minors for like 10 days after the regular season started. By doing that, it manipulated the service time, which is you have to, I think it's like 170 days on the major league roster out of like 183, something like that. Um, So they held him back just enough that they would get another extra year Mm-hmm. Out of him, so instead of becoming a free agent after this season, he becomes a free agent after 2021. You can understand why Bryant would then file a grievance because he wants to get a mo- the money after this season, not wait one more year, play on a minor league contract or uh, on a rookie contract. But he lost the grievance because of essentially technicalities in in the way the uh, uh, the CBA is the CBA. But that's going to change after 2021 as well. Which we should probably have a CBA episode because there is the very real possibility of a lockout in the next couple of years yeah which a work sucks. strike but which is a much darker episode but not today yeah but the, at least brian from what brian said on the surface is that there's no ill will towards the cubs you know he loves his team he said he wants to play with the cubs uh for his entire career of course chris bryant's always been one of those guys who's kind of more he's always going to say the right thing doesn't really matter what he feels you know he he he's a media darling you know he he always says the right things always presses the right buttons but anyway uh, so I, I don't know if I could call him disgruntled. I'm sure he's probably a little pissed because, I mean, I would be too. If mm-hmm. I, you know, he could be making serious money. I mean, he's making 18.6 this year after 18.6 million after arbitration. So, you know, that's nothing to shake a stick at. But, I mean, he could make serious money for rookie of the year and MVP honors and a World Series championship all before the age of, like, 25. Like, you know, that's going to land you a pretty hefty contract. Yeah. He's um, going to probably gonna see an 8 to $9 million raise per, per year. Yeah, annually, uh, easily, you know, easily. At the uh, very least. And you know, it's hard to know if the Cubs will sign him to an extension. But th- it's interesting that you bring this up because th- there was a discussion for a while, a rumor floating around almost immediately after that grievance was settled uh, that the Cubs were looking to do a straight-up swap. Uh, With for, Arenado for, and for Brian. Arenado, yeah, uh, reported first by ESPN Chicago's Jesse Rogers. Um Quite, like, very interesting to me because they're, like, I don't know what the benefits would be for the Rockies because they're See, giving for up. the Rockies, I feel like. Because the, the Rockies offered to eat up, like, seven or eight million of Arenado's contract. See, at first, it, it didn't make sense to me, like, you. 
But then I started to think about it. You give Arenado a new home, a change of scenery, since he's disgruntled with you. You get Bryant back, and you don't lose any talent. I mean, it's a it's right. a star for star swap. You don't lose any talent. Each guy is in a new place. Their beefs with their current teams are gone. Right. I mean, it's more of just a change of scenery, and no team really loses anything because they both get star third baseman. But who's the well, better? Who's the better player right now, Nolan Arenado or Chris Bryant? No, Arenado has put up the better numbers, Nolan but I'd Arenado. say that's only because he's been healthier, can more consistently. Yeah. Bryant's dealt with injury issues. I think if Bryant is healthy from 2015 through 2019, he's putting up very similar numbers to Arenado, maybe a little less, just because I mean Arenado, he's really good and he's got the Coors effect, which helps. Marginally. I, I, people make a big deal out of it. I don't think it's as big a deal. Just look at a little tangent here. Larry Walker just got into the Hall of Fame. Everyone's like, well, he doesn't deserve it because he played in Coors. And it's like, when you look at his numbers, they're, they're actually quite similar. Home and road. He's just a, a fantastic baseball player. Anyway, um, but Jackson, back to your point. It's interesting, though, because, yeah, I get what you're saying. Give him a change of scenery. But mm-hmm. the trade would benefit the Cubs way more because – Arenado was under contract for seven years before the season. The Brian only two. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the 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 Rockies would get Bryant for 2020 and 2021, and he's a free agent unless they sign him into an extension. Now with the Arenado contract, he does have opt-outs after these next two years, for like the next five years. Um, but still, you would think, you know, the rumor is that he really would want to play in Chicago, so he probably wouldn't use those opt-outs. He might even waive them if it were to come to Chicago. So... And for the Rockies to eat money like that, it would drop the for the Cubs the annual average from thirty two million to twenty four million. That they're still way over, so they'd have to Cubs would have to get rid of a couple more guys. So there's a lot of moving pieces with that trade. That it, it does it's hard get to know. really weird. It gets really weird, and I th- from what I've heard too is that the trades are kind of the talks anymore are kind of stalling out. It seems like most teams kind of realize it'd be pretty hard to. Uh, pick up Aaron Arenado just because of that albatross of a contract. I think he's one of the few guys you could argue, yeah, the money's worth it, even though I think the contract goes through like his age 36, 37 season. But, like, damn, if I was a GM, like, I would – it would be keeping me up at night if I did not, like, take a serious look at this guy. If, like, the Rockies are offering him, I mean, like, this, this is an MVP caliber uh, – Offensively and defensively, the Gold right. Glove, like he always wins Gold Glove, like he, he is the Gold. Nolan Arenado is the Gold Glover. He's and that's something you can that does not get. It was uh, him and Manny Machado for a few years there at the yeah. AL and the NL when Machado was in Baltimore. It was like, well, they're guaranteed Gold Glovers in oh, each yeah. of their league. It's not even a question. So, and it was more of a competition between themselves who was going to make the cooler play mm-hmm. that week. Yeah. So interesting point that I want to bring up. You guys haven't yet. Is yeah. I mean the stats. Are great, sure. I mean, they're both awesome. I mean, that's what makes them good players. We look at stats. But, I mean, you also look at players, you know, the, the, with the persona, the personality, the swagger. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go to a baseball game, yeah, you want to see the Reds, but you want to see Joey Votto, right? He's your favorite player. It's a lot of people's favorite player mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. Mine is Lindor. I loved going to a game to see him on the field. The same could be said about Nolan Arenado and Chris in Colorado Bryant. and really Chris Bryant. I mean, those yeah. are both players that bring people to a game they want to see. When you right? go to their respective teams' games, those are the jerseys you're going to see in the stands. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, okay, another example, different sport, but how many people right now are honestly Lakers fans? I mean, there's sure, there's a lot, They're but LeBron how many fans. more are LeBron fans? Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's right. a different thing. Yeah. And, you know, LeBron's LeBron, but, you know, there's similar kind of themes here in baseball with certain players. And as that's well, why like I appreciate Trout. you, Jordan, because you're a Cavs fan through and through. <laughs> 
<laughs> I appreciate you so much for that. You have and no boy, idea. Boy, are we bad. Oh, God. <laughs> it's fine, dude. It's fine. But, yeah, I, I get your point. It's a really good point. Those are the players that are going to bring in money. And, like, mm-hmm. imagine if they did the swap for Arenado and Bryant. They're, Colorado fans are going to go see their new Chris Bryant, mm-hmm. and Cubs fans are going to go see their new Nolan Arenado. Yeah. So. I think – I will say one thing. Love Bryant. He's, again, kind of a quiet star. So, he, you know, Cubs, it's, it's a lot of, like, Javi Baez or mm-hmm. Wilson Contreras or Rizzo who really get the fans out of their seat. But, I mean, Brian is just – he's a phenomenal baseball player. He's just kind of under the radar, you know. But but anyway, uh, moving on to some other trade rumors we've seen. One guy uh, – speaking of the Indians, your man, Francisco Lindor, his name has been floating around in a lot of rumors, especially with the Reds, which but, I find quite interesting. Uh, something that was interesting to me at the height of those rumors was Tito, uh, Terry Francona, came out and said that Lindor wasn't going to be traded hmm. at all, and his names weren't in talks. But apparently they were, so I don't really know who to believe. Uh, Jordan, do you know who to believe here? I don't know. I mean, honestly, I, I, I don't think like I, I was never really sold on them trading them because this guy, this guy's their franchise. He's the mm-hmm. franchise player right now, and I understand that sometimes you have to trade the franchise player to build for the future. Yeah. But I just didn't see like this is a team that could still make the playoffs. I mean, yeah, the Twins were really good last year. Uh, but I, I believe that their pitching rotation maybe took a step back this offseason. I mean, they brought some pieces in, but I think it took a step back. And who's to say that the offense will hit, you know, will break another record in home runs? I mean, it's possible, but I mean, right. what's to say the Twins can replicate that success again? And Cleveland, I mean, they still they missed the playoffs, but they still finished with like 91 wins, the same amount of wins, or 93, 93 and 69, the same record of the Washington Nationals, who, of course, we all know won the World Series. So, this team could still compete, so that's why I think Lindor's got to be, you know, a key cog at least next year, and we'll see what happens. But, you know, the other trade I want to talk about, this is the most recent, I'd say, hottest in the hot stove, the Mookie Betts, yeah. the L.A. Dodgers connections. I mean, that's that's big time. I'm a little surprised. I mean, we just saw that God, the Red Betts Sox got— stupid. We saw that Betts just signed the largest arbitration deal in MLB history. It's like—I think it was like— was it over thirty million or twenty nine million? It was twenty seven million. Twenty seven, yeah. yeah, for one year. So, you know, when I saw that, I was like, "All right, Mookie Betts is going to ride out this season. They're going to renegotiate next off season, see what I happens." So. But maybe not so fast. I don't know. A lot of connections to the Dodgers. I mean, when I saw that, I'm like, the Dodgers seem to be connected to every superstar big because they. And the thing is, they're they so the dang good. And not only do they have the MLB roster, but they're so good at developing prospects, too. Yeah. I mean, you look at the MLB pipeline of the top 100 prospects, they just are pounding out guys. And we saw yeah. just last year the Dustin Mays. I mean, they, they got guys. They got Gavin they, Lux coming Gavin in. Lux, yeah. I mean, they got guys. I mean, they, yeah. the Dodgers <laughs> are just a really well-run organization. I mean, could they get Mookie Betts? I mean, is it possible? I mean, sure, they can get whoever they want. Yeah. They, I mean, yeah. they could they, go out and get Francisco and Lord because they were hooked with the Indians, too. I mean, that, they'd go out and get anybody they wanted with those prospects if they, they really needed it. That's a, They have prospects or major league talent. They have so many assets, and they have, just, like, it seems like unlimited resources. So many assets. So it's funny. They're, they're not afraid of going over. <clears throat> well, maybe they are, but the, the luxury tax doesn't seem to phase them as much as <clears throat> some other teams. <clears throat> you good? Oh, uh, oh, oh no. Right. At first, mm. I thought I was like, you I good? I thought you were actually yeah. coughing, but no. I, I feel like you got... You got a cub stuck in your throat. I, I do. Uh-huh. Ricketts. But here's here's the elephant in the room question with the Dodgers. Yeah, they have all this talent and everything. Dave Roberts is a great manager, but when it's come to the postseason, they've come up just short. Or even last year where they lost in game five to the to the Nationals. I mean, what's what's been up with the Dodgers? Why haven't they been able to get it done? 
I mean, yeah, 2017, you look at the trash cans now, whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, aside from that, I, what's what stopped them? I it, see, see, to me, it always seems like they kind of run out of gas. You know, I remember seeing something at the end of uh, the season this year, like their GM, Andrew Friedman, won an award for, or like got recognized for the most wins in baseball since like, I don't know, 2015 or 2016 in the regular season. And it's like, you know what, that's great. You win a lot in the regular season. And that gets you to the postseason. But if you're expending all your energy trying to win, I mean, what did they, they had like over 100, weren't they like 100, 110 wins last year? Yeah, they had like, a lot of wins. You can win a lot then, but the teams that win that many games don't go, like the the Mariners in 2001, they won 116, and they got knocked out by the Yankees, right? Yeah. And they, you know, wins in the regular season don't equate to wins in the postseason. You got to have a team. Right. I think they focus, they, they, they focus their energies, obviously, on building a juggernaut of a team with that lineup. And, I mean, they have some really, really good pitchers, too. But, but, but this year, I mean, they lost Hyunjin Ryu. Um, he's in Toronto now. Right. Clayton Kershaw is, I mean, he had a bounce-back year last year, which, I mean, was I didn't think he, that was going to happen. I thought his career, like, last year was going to be the first step towards, like, the, the end, end of Clayton Kershaw. But he had a big, big bounce-back. But, but, you know, who knows what's going to happen year to year with him. Walker Bueller to me is like one. Uh, oh, Walker Bueller's the next. He's he's the next headliner. And he's going to have to carry this team. But I again, the point we were making earlier about the Reds, how they've got this really good pitching staff. To me, the Dodgers, that's something they're lacking. They really? Have, uh, to me, uh, the the line thing. It's been good. It's gotten them to the postseason. But I don't think it's a postseason. It's enough to get them through mm-hmm. World Series. Obviously, they've come close. The twenty seventeen thing. That could have been the World Series. Let's, I mean, being real, that one does feel like looking at it in hindsight now. Robbed. They kind of got robbed. You, you had you Darvish. Rich Hill was a few years younger and was pitching really well. Kershaw was at the top of his game, and they got screwed. So I, who did Rich Hill sign with? He just signed. He with signed with the Twins. Oh, That's right. So again, so another guy gone for the for the Dodgers. So to me. I think that's always been their issue. Save for 2017 is that the, the pitching has not been all really. You need like a solid four or five guys in that starting rotation that you can rely on to car- carry you through the regular season. Right. And then you can, so you're not straining like th- two or three guys in the regular season to get those wins. Then once you get to the postseason, you can ride those two or three guys like what the Cubs, kind of what the Indians did, you know, manage the team so that. You can rely on those three guys in the postseason, and they're not burnt out. I, I think that's been the biggest issue for the Dodgers. So trading for Mookie Betts, it gives them none of that. But I don't know if it solves their ultimate problem. You know, uh, you know, uh, correlation does not imply causation. Just because you're good in the regular season does not mean you're going to be good in the postseason. Yeah, and I think a, a, just to hammer that regular season postseason point home, last season in 2019, St. Louis Cardinals had. By many division winner standards, a mediocre regular season. They they had less than 100 wins, yeah. and then they make it to the NLCS. So, yeah, you never you never know what's going to happen. It's so random. So yeah, so uh, I, it would be interesting to see if the Dodgers go in and pick up bets. Um, I would hope they don't trade any uh, pitching depth for it. I'm surprised too with the Red Sox because I like they're not that far removed from the World Series in 2018, that 100 plus win season. You know, it's it's kind of strange. Yeah, the Cardinals only had 91 wins last year. Yeah, look at that. gonna, that's going to be such a fascinating division in the AL East. With mm-hmm. we saw the Yankees getting the prize of Garrett Cole this offseason. They're the Boston, team to beat there. I mean, Boston. I mean, 
it's I mean, no one's doubting Boston. They could very well get back. I mean, yeah, their pitching struggled last year. I mean, this is a team that won the World Series just removed back yeah. in twenty eighteen. And, you know, the Rays were maybe the story of baseball last year mm-hmm. with the run they did challenging the Astros to the very end and and who I knows? Wish they would have won that series. Toronto's stuff. got some stars in the making and Guerrero Jr. and they got Ryu now. I mean, they got pieces. I don't know. That would be a fascinating division. I'll be, I think the, the Blue Jays actually make a surprise run to the wild card this year. We'll get, like, like we talked about when we do our division show, we'll talk about that. But I like I think they've made enough sneaky moves. They're gonna and with, with that young core you're talking about. A Tampa Bay Ray, uh, Toronto Blue Jay wild card game like, to face the Yankees. I would not be shocked. <laughs> I, I'm not saying it's gonna happen. I don't like you, that face you're making over there, Jordan. I mean, you I still just, you I still do, got I, the A's. You still there's there's enough other teams that could not make it happen. But I think the Blue Jays are gonna be significantly better than they were last year. I can agree with that. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a hot take the Blue Jays make, but. At Oakland with the improving Angels team. I mean, with, with there's a lot of teams out there. I don't we'll know. we'll save this for the division really preview. Yeah, which because yeah. I, oh. I found a point that I wanted to bring up, but it would fit much better to the division preview. So yeah. I'll just save it for that. So uh, moving on, because we talked a little bit about the AL East there. Of course, uh, Tampa Bay having last year a really good year, and it kind of sounds like they're they're in luck uh, for the future as well. They've got the number one prospect in baseball right now, Wander Franco. Wander so Franco. We'll break down some of the big names real quick on that MLB uh, 2020, top, 100. top 100 prospect list thanks to MLB Pipeline. Quick note on Wander Franco. A lot of people evaluating his talent say he's going to be a better Vlad Guerrero Jr. Wow. <laughs> Which, if you could say that about a prospect, I think the Rays are pretty set. That's scary to think about. Yeah, and I mean, it's perfect for the Rays because that's how they win. Homegrown talent and smart trades. I mean, that's just how Tampa does it. They're never going to bring home the big free agent. And, I mean, maybe in the future they do. I mean, if a small market like Cincinnati can get free agents, why can't Tampa? But that's how Tampa wins. Mm-hmm. Smart trades like for Tommy Pham and then homegrown guys like Blake Snell or Wander Franco. I think, I think of Sandler. This is how I win. This is how <laughs> I win. Yeah. Put him in a raise hat. Photoshop that. But, yeah, okay, so you got – because I know – there is one guy on the top five, top three, I think, that Jordan would love to talk about. Yeah, well, we'll get to him. He's actually currently number six. That guy is, uh, we'll hop around a little bit here, Joe Adele. Jordan actually played against this guy in high school from the Louisville area. He is oh the top God. prospect for the Angels, number six overall. I got a story on him. All right, so we had we, we threw out our, okay, a couple stories. So he went to Boward High School in Louisville, Kentucky. We saw him warming up in the outfield, looking like he was going to pitch. And all of us in the dugout were like, I think we like peed our pants pretty much. We're like, no, there's no way they're throwing Joe Adele against us. And then he doesn't take the mound. He was just getting a, like a bullpen in before the game. We're like, oh, thank God. Because <laughs> this guy throws like, he was throwing like 95, 96 then. We're like, oh, no. But then, you know, his first at bat or second at bat, whatever it was, uh, we throw in like a guy. I mean, he, it was pretty much a, a waste arm to just throw out there. He hit a ball. It's right on the our, where we played at Spalding University's field called Derby City Field, right on the expressway behind us, the Waterson Expressway, for those familiar with Louisville, Kentucky area, right behind the stadium. Joe Adele hits a ball to the expressway, literally. And I'm like, okay, this guy, yeah. this guy will be an MLB very soon. And, you know, here he is making his way up. I'm happy to see him. He was the 10th pick of the Angels. He's been working his way up. Believe he's he got all the way up to AAA with the I think Sac, or Salt Lake City uh, last year, and he's about to break out. And it's pretty cool. I mean, he could be very well playing with Mike Trout this year, and so he's a name to watch. He could be he's 
he's gonna be my rookie of the year front runner just because the you know the bias is there, but definitely rooting definitely rooting for him. He's he's a special talent. Yeah, he's definitely a fast riser. He was drafted in twenty seventeen, so that's yeah. only two three seasons yeah. ago. Last year, like you said, made it up to Salt Lake AAA in twenty seven games. Added two sixty four, so it was a bit of an adjustment for him. But yeah, the 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 talk about this kid is that he's going to be coming up uh, quite soon. Tell you what, the, the Louisville talent the lately. I mean, Joe Adele. Last year, you saw Brendan McKay make his debut with the Rays yeah. as a pitcher and a DH. They weren't sure where to put him. Right now, he's just sticking to pitching. But uh, I mean, yeah, you, we talked earlier in the, in the episode about the two way players and how mm-hmm. Otani's paved the way. I think that's something that's going to be fascinating in this next decade to see maybe the growth of two-way players and see if they make a comeback, you know, from the Babe Ruth I think it's going to happen. I, I, I very much believe it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But, okay, so, so who, who do you have next? Well, so I just want to touch on Wander Franco again. Prospect in, especially with the race, because we've talked about Wander Franco, but, but after Wander Franco, you have to mention Brendan McKay, who is another top 15 prospect for the race. Yeah, I mean, just a remarkable player. Obviously, Wander Franco, 114 games last year between uh, – High A and A ball. Uh, I mean, displayed some impressive power. 53 RBIs. Batting 327 between those two levels. I mean, just real good stuff. And then, yeah, you mentioned Bobby or Brendan McKay. And Casey Mize, the number one pick. I mean, the Tigers, I mean, no, no one's been talking about the Tigers the last couple of years. They, I mean, they've, this is what, I mean, this is what they needed. They really just, they've been rebuilding. I mean, they had Brett Osmus, and they moved on from yeah. him. And They're going to have Casey bad. Mize. His ETA is twenty twenty. Another ETA twenty twenty for the Tigers is Matt Manning, who is 24th on the list. Um, I do want to talk about the Indians real quick because they only have two players on the list. Nolan Jones at 42, who is expected to come up to the league in 2020 at some point. And then at 96, Tyler Freeman, kind of low on the list, but still one of your top prospects. Yeah, it'll be interesting because Cleveland's strength in the past couple years, what got him to the World Series, you think of that infield where they had Jose Ramirez at third, they had Lindor at short, Kipnis at second, and they actually moved Kipnis to the outfield at one point in the playoff run. And then you have, mm-hmm. you know, in the 2017, for example, they had Mike Napoli at first, and he was just that veteran. You know, this year it's, or last year it was Carlos Santana. But really the key to Indian success of recent times has really been the infield production. So you get guys like Nolan Jones. And you know, th- those guys and Ty- uh, Freeman who you were talking about, who, you know, it's crazy. You see that the Indians got some shortstops. And at first I'm thinking, ah, there's no place for him to play. But, I mean, you've seen all the Lindor yeah. rumors. I mean, I think the inevitable is Lindor. There's just no way Cleveland's going to be able to afford right. him, which just breaks my heart. But, I mean, they're just not going to pay him. It's just the Dolans don't do that. So you got to look at the future and, you know, we'll see what happens. And I feel like we should do a bigger episode on this because there are just so many names to go around. So I want to just – Quickly mention the Brewers have zero players on the top 100, and they're the only team without a player in the top 100. Oof! The Cubs have four. Have four. Mm-hmm. Nico Horner, Braylon Marquez, Brennan Davis, Miguel Amaya at 51, 68, 78, 95. Horner is the only one rejected the debut in 2020. Yeah, well, he played a little bit last year when uh, Javi Baez went down. They called him. I thought he was phenomenal. I think mm-hmm. he'll probably uh, make the team out of spring training. If not, they're going to stick him in AAA. And he probably won't be down there for very long. I mean, he's phenomenal. I could see him starting in uh, or sliding in at second base right right away. I mean, the the, the talents there, the kid produces. The, and the Cubs were worried about bringing him up a little too early, but I um, think he'll be fine. Yeah. And then uh, the Reds have two and number forty eight Nicola Dolo out of TCU, twenty nineteen draft pick. He'll move pretty quickly. 
And then Hunter Green at 53. Nick Senzel graduated from the list, becoming officially not a rookie or a prospect anymore. He would have been up in the top 25. And then the Reds, Jonathan India, just missed the list. But I think we should really do an episode more on the entire list, or at least the most notable ones. And I feel like we could really expand on that. But I feel like it's time to kind of round us out on the stat of the week. How do you feel about that? Sounds good to me, mate. Got a couple minutes left. So, uh, Will, you want to yeah. hop on here first, or Jordan, you got one? Oh, I got mine. Oh, hell yeah. Give me a give me a hot second here. Also, actually, hold on, one more thing. Just to touch on, going back to the prospects, I'll just give you a quick rundown on who the top five were, because we really only talked about Wander Franco, and then we just kind of jumped everywhere else. Wander Franco won. Gavin Lux out of the Do- for the Dodgers shortstop in second base, number two. That's also interesting. Another debate for a later time. Because that could open the door for maybe a Corey Seager trade to move Lux up and mm-hmm. get in some additional pitching there for the Dodgers. Luis Robert, probably going to start the season with the White Sox. Uh, talk about a team that made some moves. The White Sox, they're going to be scary good next year, yeah, too. Yeah, well, we're going to mention them for sure the next time we yeah. talk, probably in the division. Yeah. Then you got Adley Preview. Rushman, number four, a catcher for, uh, the, in the Orioles system. Kind of been compared to Buster Posey, which that's I love pr- seeing a catcher that high. Pretty, pretty good comparison. Yeah, that's kind of rare to see. And then Mackenzie Gore rounds out the top five of the top 100 prospects. Left-handed pitcher in the Dodgers, mm-hmm. or rather the Padres system. Padres, again, Padres made those stacked. moves last year. They got some good guys coming up. But, yeah, finally, uh, stat, stat of the week. Stat of the week. So we're bringing this thing full circle. I have a stat here on Dusty Baker from uh, good old Jason Stark, who if you don't follow him on Twitter, highly recommend it. This guy just has some phenomenal articles and some phenomenal stats. Uh, that he likes to share about baseball. Uh, but anyway, so Dusty Baker, in his career, he's got 1,863 career wins thus far. It's good for a 532 winning percentage. Uh, the only other managers in baseball history with that many wins and that good of a winning percentage, John McGraw, Tony La Russa, Bobby Cox, uh, Joe Torrey, Sparky Anderson, Joe McCarthy, Walter Alston, Leo and Leo DeRocher. Sparky Anderson. So, yeah, so, that's a pretty impressive list. That is a remarkably ridiculous list. I think Baker, though, is the only guy on that list that does not have a World Series win. Well, uh, I don't think Leo DeRocher does. But Maybe. Um, that could change again this season, depending on how well the Astros do. Mm-hmm. Maybe Dusty's fun of uh, garbage cans as well. <laughs> Who knows? All right, that's all I got for this week. Jordan? Jordan. So I'll stick with the Astros connection here. So... My number is one, which is as of you know this past week, there's only been one former or current Astros player really uh, to apologize for the cheating scandal, and that's Dallas Keiko is now with the White Sox. Wow. Said, quote, it's just what the state of baseball was at that point in time. Was it against the rules? Yes, it was. And I'm personally sorry for what's come about the whole situation. So, you know, you, you wonder – I don't see players like Altuve, players like George Springer coming out and publicly admitting, let alone apologizing, mm-hmm. uh, just because I feel like that just wouldn't be smart for them at this point. They, they could lead to more suspensions. I mean, who knows? They might already that already might be on the way. But yeah. but you know, uh, it's nice to see some players actually admit it instead of bouncing around dodging the bullets. And uh, we'll, we'll see how this rest of this offseason pans out because I, I I think more suspensions are on the way. It's nice, but it would be a lot nicer if it was actually a player who participated in it and yeah. not a pitcher not a who pitcher. was really kind of betrayed by the idea of stealing from other pitchers. But well, that's an argument for, again, another day. 
my stat, just because I love the pile on them so much, and I'm sorry, their fans are so miserable right now. Pittsburgh Pirates' current payroll <laughs> as of January 27th in the last week is $43 million, 265000 That is absolutely anemic. And for comparison, in 2020, Mike Trout will make $37 million on his own. Oh, my God. So Mike Trout could buy the Pirates. He could. Realistically, (laughs) in a couple years, he could. He could pay for that whole payroll for at least a year. So I just like to pile on the Pirates. And their their owner needs to be banned from baseball for malpractice. Seriously. Could you imagine him? Bob Nutting. Could you imagine him buying another team while playing for another team? That would just be that would be a baller move. And then, tra- and then just like using the Pirates as a relegation for all the bad Angels players. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, th- <laughs> I think that would be that would cement him as the greatest baseball player of all time. Well, that would put him ahead of yeah. Babe Ruth, Henry Aaron. So Pirates being historically cheap, I just want to end the episode on that. So Will, yeah. hit us with the outro music. This has been Out of Play. Like what you heard on this week's episode? Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter. You can find Jordan at Gould Tweets, Jackson at JBKinney19, and myself at Will Trubbs.